You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer when we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Good to be back again. Hey, welcome back. And Greg Hectus. And then there was three. <laughs> it's our summer lull, as we uh, called it earlier. On the show this week, we'll check out a new series for dirt car racing fans. We'll explore exercises for sim racers. And iRacing is going drag. Not that kind of drag. Does F1 world champ Max Verstappen have an advantage over other drivers? And we will check out a spinning sim racing chair in hardware software. And remember, guys, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. As an enthusiast sim racer, we look for the equipment for our rigs that gives us the performance, quality, and feel of real-world race cars. And that's exactly what Sim Coaches Pedals delivers. Feel the difference of the high-quality construction premium pedals with 100% leak-proof hydraulic construction that feels as good as a real thing and looks even better. And with full access to their proprietary visor software, you'll be able to customize your pedals to your exact preferences to maximize your results on the track. Also, with your purchase, you'll receive a lifetime warranty with the best product support in the industry. So take your rig to the next level, the top level, with Sim Coaches Pedals at simcoaches.com. Right, let's jump to topics. Dirt car NIS style. iRacing announced a new NIS style dirt car, uh, dirt series um, called the Dirt Sprint Car Pro Series. This new series represents a major new marketing initiative for iRacing and the world of outlaws. And they call it NIS guys uh, style because it's got that. Uh, it follows the same kind of schedule where there's four to five starts a week kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there's a, a late model version series and a sprint car version series, each with a, a different set of times. Um, they go through the full uh, uh, qualifying. They go through um, um, heat races, consolation races, and feature races, just like the real thing. So uh, it's, it's pretty much mirroring the world of outlaws and how they actually uh, run their shows. Um, really, really neat idea. I, I know, you know, of course, we're all very familiar with NIS in the cup cars. I know IndyCar has tried uh, an NIS uh, style series before because, um, you know, as, as they get more and more of the tracks that they race on. And uh, it's pretty cool to see something like this come along for, for the dirt side of the sim. Uh, really, really cool initiative. And it seems like that iRacing and the world of outlaws are really forming a really strong bond, much like um, 
iRacing and NASCAR has over the years, where um, you know they're going to be promoting each other, they're going to be uh, doing all kinds of things to to advance uh, the world of outlaws, both in real life and in the in the iRacing sim. It's pretty I cool. It's kind of weird um, that none right. of this was announced. It kind of was just shown through the forms. Like there's no, you know, hype for it. Well, they tried to get some hype. If you check our uh, script, we got a YouTube video about it. Um, but of course, that's not by iRacing. It's by our friend uh, Nick Nebon. Uh, they did put out a Twitter, Greg. How about that? Yeah, it just it just seemed like this would be something that, you know, they would have promoted more with with the the time of the year, like you know. You know, try and get some people over the summertime. To, you know, introducing it. I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the dirt side very well, and what the enthusiasm is on that side of it. I like it. Um, in fact, I was looking at the schedule to see if I could fit it in somehow and just run this for fun, just to see what's going on. Um, it looks like Tuesday and Thursdays are my open nights, really, and so um, they do have events on those days. So I might just check this out and see what's going down. Yeah, Tuesday night uh, is uh, the late model series, and uh, Wednesday night is the sprint car series. Um, they have a little, uh, Tuesday's a little bit later. You know, they run a 9 p.m. sprint car and a 5 p.m. sprint car on Wednesday. Um, Tuesday is 5 p.m. These are Eastern times I'm giving you, by the way. Tuesday is a, a 5 p.m. Eastern start for the late models, and Wednesday at 9 or Thursday at nine for the late models. So uh, they mix up the time a little bit, you know, Mike, you're, you're in a little bit different time zone. And uh, you know, so, so some of these times are a little early for you, I would imagine, but, uh, but still it's, it's a really cool thing to see that they're doing this. Um, you know, the sprint car and late model series, they, they go to a lot more tracks than even, you know, than even the service has right now, but I'm sure they'll work in a really good schedule that'll, that'll match up as close as they can to what the uh, real worlds are doing. I'd be, I'd be kind of interested in trying the, the, you know, the, the late model um, races, but I'm just not, I'm not a huge dirt guy, but it would be interesting to try and see how it goes. Do you have the late models, Greg, the big, the big uh, late models? I believe I've purchased it. I'd have to go back and check, but I think, some of that stuff I did purchase thinking I was going to get into it and, you know, never did. Okay. The, uh, I, I always find the late, the, the late model, uh, world outlaw cars really difficult to drive. They're really hard to drive in my opinion. I'm not saying that's unrealistic or anything. It's just, it's just very challenging. And, uh, when, when there's, uh, when the pro series comes out for late models, I'm always very, uh, you know, I'm in all of the guys' skill who who do those races. So what you're saying is, I need to practice. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, even the sprint car is really hard too. But um, we're really, really, you need a lot of skill to drive those. A lot of practice. Well, it's good on iRacing to put this out for uh, our dirt community. Yeah, and will it drive participation? Like people like me who normally don't run the dirt, may, you know, might get involved just because of the schedule, the new scheduling. Well, and we all like to race for like a goal, right? Like there's goals to do things. Like we run the NIS season to either complete it, you know, finish good in points, things like that, where this is a whole season type thing instead of just over the, 
you know, what season one, season two, season three, 12 weeks or 13 weeks, um, you've got more of a, you know, uh, uh, you're more inclined to chase something. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a more of a accomplishment. Challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's neat that they're getting it started here at the half year mark, you know, halfway through the year mark. So season three, season four will be, you know, half a year, I guess you would say of NIS and I presume. Um, but uh, yeah, it's pretty neat because if you get involved in it and you run once a week and try to get some points each week um, and just see where you shake out after a year, you know, good point. It's, and, and I imagine, you know, being that they're kind of jumping in the mid-season, I imagine they're probably gearing up for a really full um, launch next year would be my guess when when uh, they can get a complete season in, you know, the, that spans the whole series. I just hope all the dirt guys that do run show up for this. Um, you know, will it hurt the, uh, the other races, the, you know, well, the ones that run every two hours, will it, you know, hurt participation there? I would guess it would. Let's go to something uh, more up our alley, Brian. Um, I found some details in the forum about uh, really what did they do to the next gen car? Yeah, this was uh, posted in the forums by Matt Holden, um, and it's a really long, detailed uh, um, explana explanation of exactly what they did to the uh, next gen NASCAR Cup car. Um, you know, it's very detailed and then go through all the different changes that, uh, that they made to it. Um, it's, it's a lot more involved than you might've thought just by, uh, by from some of the uh, releases from the, uh, uh, from the season three patch. But, uh, but Matt really goes through all the different changes, um, with like, uh, and he, he has them listed out, listed out in the forums, um. And it's a it's a long detailed um, description of everything that they've they've done to this physics package. Yeah, at the top here, he basically says the car hasn't really changed since the start of the season, and now this update brings it up to what it is today. Um, and since there's been some small but significant changes, it's had a huge impact on the car's behavior and setup process. They've updated aero and tires to reflect these changes. They got the new rub block thing, and, and Greg, you were speculating about that because we saw it a lot in the NASCAR races, um, and and so they've updated to make that realistic, is my understanding. Well, and I'm trying to, you know, I'd have to talk to someone that under, might understand this a little bit more, um, but it sounds like the 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 rear of the car. I haven't looked into the setups yet for because obviously we haven't done a NIS race or anything um, since we've done the road courses. But has it eliminated from what I was reading here? Eliminated the left rear um, ride height adjustment because it adjusts as as a complete package in the back now or something like that. I I could be wrong on reading misreading this, but it I, it, it just seems like um, there's a bunch of different changes here. Um, to get the car to do what it wants, but they talk about a lot about um, Yeah, so it's the left rear height is removed from the garage. So um, Because there is the uh, what are they calling it? They're calling it uh, The bar there's a bar in the back that That keep, is, is keeping the rear together, I guess so um, I guess the the one thing that I really took out of this is 
the D rake and the downforce levels. Reading about the the diffuser and how it's contacting the the track and uh, what um, you know, we all look for back you know over the, the Gen Six car. You wanted to seal the front off and get it down on the ground. Well, the diffuser on this one uh, does a lot more, and you know, a lot of tracks you want to get it down completely to a certain height. Height, but reading here, it sounds like every track is going to be different. Um, and create have different characteristics because of the bumps and stuff with the diffuser so it's going to be a lot of more challenging for builds i guess but there sounds like you can have some more stability in the rear end than you did um through the first couple part of the season so you're right on about this so basically if in subsequent posts he explains further that when you set up the car and you're trying to do ride heights and seal the car off you're going to have to do it by sound not telemetry um, so you'll have to listen for when the car hits the ground and adjust from that. Um, he also said here, those three heights wind up dictating where the left rear ear, the left rear ends up. So it's not really a thing to worry about. And so he's basically saying you set the heights off the other three corners. Yeah, because I guess from what I was, I was, I was reading on it. So it's the ARB uh, bar that uh, that connects the rear that causes them not to need the left rear reading anymore too with the way that those rub blocks and everything and the way the diffuser's sitting and i guess um they extended some e extra fins on the on the diffuser too if i was reading here if i remember correctly there's there's two longer fins on the outside so so uh, sorry uh, mike uh one more thing i want to discuss that was in this uh was um that he says that um this car does not like y'all at all <laughs> that's a nice rhyme y'all at all so um but but what he's saying is as y'all increases so as your car gets more you know starts to rotate more the rear downforce rapidly decreases resulting in a sudden loss of real traction and near unrecoverable spins so so what he's saying is you know if if you start if once the star get the car starts getting loose and the rear end starts coming around it it changes the downforce uh, on the back end even more as it's coming around, so it gets even looser. The more y'all, more y'all that's in this car, the 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 less downforce you're going to get on that rear, and the more likely and more unrecoverable these and quick these spins are going to come. And you know we've seen that um, quite a bit in in this car. You know both in real life and and of course in iRacing where where these cars just snap quick uh, on, on that. So they're they're trying to set up. They're trying to tell you to set up these cars if you can, you know, to try to decrease the amount of of y'all you get when you're cornering to keep the car straighter, and, and you you won't have that problem with that quick quick snappy loose condition that these cars are are prone to. Well, and they're and that diffuser is designed to have air run through it straight, right? So if you got Correct. air hitting it at the side or not getting through it, it's not designing to do what it's, you know, shove the air out of the car to create the downforce like it is. And as soon as you completely lose the air going through that diffuser, that's why they spin so easy because the spoiler can't, the spoiler's not enough spoiler there to hold them or us. Yeah, yeah, ex you're, you're exactly right. As, as you increase the yaw, the, the less air you get going through the bottom of the car through that diffuser that holds it down to the track and then uh you just you just lose all that downforce i wonder if they would have never gone i mean obviously they were at a taller 
spoiler when they were doing all the testing and then they went they shrunk it just before the season started i wonder if the taller spoiler obviously it slowed the cars down but did it get was i i can't remember if they had more rear stability in those cars um with a taller spoiler spoiler and the diffuser together i would guess they would but would it would the cars weren't spinning out this thread is a gold mine as it goes on it reads of a discussion where staff and others talk about um, Sonoma and Coda and why are the cars speeding up as you get later in the run, uh, doing the fast lap late in the run. Greg, you, you were telling me that was happening to you. Um, and, and they explain in detail why that's happening. And it compares to what is happening in real NASCAR. It compares to what happened with Daniel Suarez and his lap times. Well, it also helps that, you know, a tire doesn't degrade at all in the sim, right? Like it, it, the tire at Sonoma was not losing any grip from lap one to lap 55 at Sonoma and iRacing. So I don't know what, you know, what that is that part of the tire package or is it the new setups? Who knows? Well, the read, you know, I'm kind of summarizing, but, the way I read this was the tires are doing what they need to do to match what's happening on these road courses. Now, when we go to oval, it'll be back to normal. You run to, you know, you longer you run, the slower you'll get. I mean, even in GT cars, we get faster as we go. Like they don't degrade tire wise either a lot. You get faster because you just lose the, the weight in the back of the car with the fuel going away. And and obviously a track will speed up with rubbering down and everything like that. So, you know, maybe th these cars were supposed to be modeled more as a GT slash, like a GTE, GT3 type kind of car with having diffusers and, and then the front uh, diffuser slash spoiler, whatever they call it. Um, so, you know, it makes, it kind of makes sense what you're talking about on the road course there, Mike. One of the drivers, I don't remember who called out, you know, let's just take all the ground effects and and downforce that's under underneath these cars off and run them without it. Uh, that's where I think it needs to go, actually. I, I mean, and that eliminates that whole yaw thing that uh, Brian was talking about, where if you get it twisted at all, you're done. Well, I'm wondering if that might be the solution to, like, the short track stuff, where they don't you know, between getting the transmissions fixed to only being in one gear for the whole race uh, when you're racing instead of shifting at these places and adding, you know, uh, something that takes away. I don't know how much actual downforce they generate at a place like Martinsville or um, Richmond or something like that. I'm sure they, you know, the diffuser does a good job with it there, but um, I don't think it's as simple as just taking it off because these cars are designed around everything that they have. If you take one thing away, it probably changes everything. Maybe the solution is just give them the horsepower back so that they so that they got to do more with it. Okay, Brian, how about Dale goes for Oswego? Yeah, this is uh, that's something. Uh that was talked about on Dale's uh, download uh, podcast, Dale Jr.'s uh, download podcast. And uh, the topic came up and uh, about Oswego Speedway. And um, 
and he mentioned he's tried tried to get iRacing to scan that track. So, if you're not that familiar with Oswego, um, it's a uh, it's a five eighths mile paved oval in New York. Um, it's a uh, runs mostly the super modifieds there, um, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, Typically, uh, when Dan Dale starts talking about scanning new content and getting new content for uh, iRacing, quite often it happens. He's got quite the pool when it comes to that kind of stuff. Did you actually well, hear what was said, though, Brian? No, I yeah, didn't he, he said that uh, just the opposite, that they weren't working with him. Like, they didn't yeah. really care. It yeah. sounds like they don't believe in iRacing is what they don't. They don't believe the product or something like that or understand what the product is. Are you talking the track doesn't understand it? The track yeah. owners, yeah. Whoever. Okay. Oh, so it's the track that's not interested, huh? Right. Oh, okay. So he, well, why, he basically said he it? asked them, and uh, they didn't understand what's going on. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, the uh, there's a, the family took over in... Um, in 1951, I think it says. Um so maybe it's just a old, older older family that uh, is not up on this kind of stuff. But I mean, how can you ha have Dale Jr. you know talk to you about something like this and and be like, nah, not for me? Uh, and uh, you know, all the all the new exposure that that brings to these tracks as they're coming into the service, you know, it's like free advertising almost, right? Sometimes you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well. Even then, I mean, just like Brian said, I mean, he's basically racing royalty. I mean, if you think about it, even though, you know, you're, you're upper New York and you're running, you know, whatever series, regional series, I mean, Dale Jr. comes knocking, you're probably going to take his call, you know? Well, and if you're any wise to any of the track news that he's been dealing with between North Worksboro and Nashville Fairgrounds, like reviving them, the way he has with some of what he's been doing, you know, you, you'd want that extra publicity for a track that actually has people racing at it. Right. Bring it yeah, exactly. That, that's a great point, Craig. I mean, you're talking about a track like North Wilkesboro that was just, a, you know, just the empty, empty spot. That's, you know, all through the, the scanning process and the delivery and the iRacing has gone from from an you know a track with weeds grown all over to to a track that's gonna start hosting races again. Or Dale might actually enter a car in. Yeah. Yeah, they're leaving something on the table, I think for sure. All right, Greg, we got a real race uh real life racing announcement from IMSA about some cars changing. And I figured it'll affect iRacing, so let's talk about it. This is where I, I struggle with IMSA on here. But anyways, so IMSA's proposed to replace the prototype challenge series with a combination grid of LMP3s and GT4 uh, machinery with a potential shakeup uh, in a race format. Um, so this article is from sportscar360.com. Um, so I don't know, what, races. you know, they're hoping to obviously change up the classes here, but iRacing so far, like, I don't know what this would really do for iRacing because they're so far behind on their car classes for the right actual thing. We keep, they keep changing every single thing in the IMSA series. By the time we scan something, we're already out of date with some of the stuff. So, um, you know, 
they, they, you know, they're want, they're trying to do different, you know, aspects of different lengths of races and stuff like that too. And the, the endurance part of it. So I don't know what all they, you know, they hope to accomplish with some of these, these changes. Is this got to do with Penske and that stuff too? Um, doing it. I know IMSA president, uh, the guy who's talking most about this is John, is it Dunin? Um, is talking in this article about a lot of these things. Yeah, I don't know all the why behind it, but it is interesting. I mean, if you want to go to, uh, you know, find this article and, you know, anybody that's listening want to follow and find this article and go to um, sportscar365.com and uh, look it up. It's the IMSA, IMSA proposals, the IPC replacement with the LMP3 GT4 class or GT4 car article. I just, like I said, it's, we're behind on cars already in the IMSA series. I just don't see how we'll ever catch up because of all the things that change in IMSA. Okay, I'm going to switch to something up my alley. Start Zones Explained. iRacing posted a YouTube video describing the ins and outs of the NASCAR restart zone or start zone. A couple things I picked up on was, you know, kind of rules. Uh, at the initial start, you do have to go on the green. But on restarts, the leader can go anytime in the restart zone. Now, if the leader's not maintaining pace speed, there'll be an alert on the screen showing that, like, hey, you're, you know, you're going this speed and you should be going this speed kind of thing. And if you, you know, obey it or disobey it to a degree, you will get a penalty. If the leader screws up and gets a penalty, the start is just wide open. Anybody can go uh, once it's green. The guy in second on the outside can always can beat the leader to the line without a penalty. As long as he isn't ahead of the leader when the leader starts. Mike, do you notice that they do the, they do Phoenix as one of the images here. They show how the restart zone worked at Phoenix. Yeah, I did notice that. And that's one of the tracks most affected because the pace car goes off so early compared to where the start finishes. I kind of like how they, they, they've presented this. I was glad that they put it out to clear it. I mean, they look like they've thought most of the, you know, the issues that could go along in a restart to take advantage that way, as long as, you know, they get the bugs out of it, right? Like, I, I don't see anything that they really are overlooking um, other than just making sure that nothing gets penalized in the wrong spot and the system actually works. They also show in the video how to set up a race with the restart zone, which remember it's hosted or AI only. It's not official. I have yet to uh, experience this, but I'm excited to try it. Uh, Do you think this is a NIS uh, staple for next year? I hope so. I mean, I hope it's only official. I mean, it's only in the hosted and AI for like a, a season, maybe the 12 weeks. And if they find it stable enough, and I, I hope they do put it in official. Um, I think it should be, you know, A, B, C, N, I, S, you know, all that. I wonder what this will do if eventually if it gets added to, like, say, the Coke series and stuff like that. I would think so. Yeah, I wouldn't see why not. Yeah. I'm 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 going out on a limb. I think by by the time next year uh season starts up, I think they're probably gonna have a choose cone. Uh, I really think that they're gonna be working on that at some point. 
you think you'd work all those together as you're building it, right? Like, you know, you would have, cause you'd have to think of, even with this restart, you'd have to think things all working together, but we've had, we've been trying to go in our discussion or our messenger. We have a t discussion every time we talk about the choose cone and how iRacing can implement it. We, you know, we find flaws in what people do going on pit road and all that stuff. It needs to be, simplified somehow with cars that are wrecked or coming out of pit road late and things like that. We just, there's always something we're thinking of and it just doesn't seem like we could do it. Yeah. I think David covered that. Well, you know, the people coming off pit road with on the one to go, I mean, that has to be fixed where you don't have to let those people buy because you got to pick the choose cone well before that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Right. And do they do a, the choose cone like a virtual thing where you see something pop up on the screen where it, you know, it points you to, hey, pick left or right starting here? Yeah, uh, the, the uh, sim definitely has some advantages over, you know, a mark in the road that the real guys do. You know, they can do they can they can make it more visually easy to uh, see. You can even have the, the counts like the, the crew chiefs or the spotters typically give the drivers, you know, about how many cars are top, how many are bottoms before you make your decision. Um, that right. can all be done in front of your face on a screen that you know that that is done audibly audibly by the spotters. So um, there are a couple advantages that uh, that uh, being on a sim can have over those but in general i just i just like the idea that they're going more they're getting closer and closer to what the rules are in the real races you know to where where you're mimicking more real life how the how the real life rules are are carried out you know i i think that's a great a great step in that direction okay so next is max verstappen article again about how he gets an advantage Brian. Yeah, this came from an online article from thesportsrush.com. It's a, you know, it's an online uh, racing and periodical about sports. Um, and it, it really goes, it really talks about um, how the younger drivers who have been brought up in the world of computer gaming and, and sim racing, um, they they might have a little bit of an advantage over the older older racers who who are not enthusiastic about the simulators and you know and doing that kind of thing. It specifically mentions uh, Max uh, Verstappen and Lando Norris who are you know and uh, Charles Leclerc who are some of the younger uh, younger F one drivers who have been brought up in this world. Um, so like one of the, one of the um, for the 1996 world champion uh, driver Damian Hill, Damon Hill, he he said he feels that taking part in simulator race sim racing gives drivers like Max uh, an advantage over those guys. So um, it, it's a it's a, it's something that they really talk about in this article. Um, another thing that they mentioned in this article that is interesting is they think uh, it helps them communicating. You know some of the technical stuff about the the race cars with uh, with the engineers. Um, just because that they're you know, you know that they're when when you're in a sim race sim race and stuff like that and you're working in the sim you know you to uh, play around with some of these um, uh, changes and and some of the car uh, setups and stuff like that and if you get that familiarity it's something that you can better communicate with your your real race engineers for these guys really really neat article and um, you know it's a it's a 
it's an endorsement for sure for for the value of sim racing not just for us as hobbyists and and fans but as uh for real race car drivers and and what they go through on a regular basis in their careers well, yeah well said a, a couple of quotes are uh, a quote from one of the from the article i'll read Hill explained how the young guns of F1 doing sim racing can help their team with strategies and setups. On top of that, it gives them a competitive mindset and sharpness that the older drivers lack. Well, if you look at it too, Ling, and I, I was having a discussion with a friend of mine about even just like, you know, F1. Because I look at back, uh, even if we, you know, we look back at the beginning of the pandemic, if you looked at a guy like, Clint Boyer or Kevin Harvick or um, any of the guys that were really opposed to the sim racing when they had to do it, you could see, you know, the older generation of drivers, they, even in NASCAR, they didn't want to participate in it. They didn't see, you know, the thing in it, the, 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 the need to, to try it. And if you look in F1 there, he's put talking about the older drivers here too, and not accepting it. Um, but if you also look in an F1, the culture between the drivers and their relationships uh, with their fans and their relationship with their other fellow drivers. So like Max Verstappen and, you know, Lando Norris, um, a lot of the young guns in F1, they hang out with each other. They online race, they talk in the paddock with each other. There's a lot of different, you know, they're more of a social aspect uh, because of this, you know, I don't, I'm not saying because of iRacing or, or just sim racing in general, sorry. Um, but you can see the new, the younger drivers that, you know, you know, have more of a social following and, and are more open to doing these type of things. They, 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 they're out, they're hanging with together. Whereas the older generation of drivers, you know, you see them with their, you know, their engineers are just standing off to the side, not communicating with other drivers that they're, their fellow drivers and things like that. I just think there's a different mindset with the newer generation of, of racers and you know these races too like you know he could be you know doing a, a race and he has a feel that the car he gets out of on the sim and he goes he can talk to his engineers and see if all of a sudden maybe in a race he gets that same type of feeling on the track and he's like oh this makes me fast you know what's there there's no harm in him racing and that's a benefit to his career right well damon hill also had a quote here about another reason that makes them fast he said and i think there's something about the way the cars can be driven using different parts of the brain it's more to do with the signals they're getting are more eye to hand rather than through the seat of their pants they're able to respond to what they're seeing i don't think daniel was one of those that generation well is he you know we're, you know we're becoming more of a you know every it's a muscle memory and, and uh, you're getting cues because some of these sims that they race on, I don't know if you've ever looked at the sims. Those were they're really nice sims that they get to race for their to practice the tracks and stuff. But I don't know how deep you know. Some of them they don't look as very detailed um, visually as they are more of the seat of the pants feel. Like you're talking about, Mike, when you when they get in their multi you know million dollar sim that they're doing for the team to practice for the week, they're talking about the feel of the car and on the track more than any visual cues while they're driving. Well, and right now with the purpose, porpoising, porpoising problem that F1 is having, um, I, I kind of feel like if the car is constantly porpoising, 
then they don't get this feel of, you know, through the seat of their pants. And so they have to rely on the visual cues. And so that's why these guys maybe have a ledge up. Well, it looks like the FIA has announced today that they're going to step in and correct that. Make force teams to go to right height rule. <laughs> well, it sounds like they're going to just focus on a lot of more of the floor stuff or something. It was hard. I was reading through it. I haven't completely gone through it, but it's going to focus on some of the what gets you know what teams are doing. And I think the car they're going to have to raise cars up here. So some teams that were slow are going to get even slower. Can't hear you. You got me now. Okay, and another thing I was going to say is, um, you know, these simulators that they have, of course, they're real high end, you know, very, very advanced, but they don't, they don't simulate other cars on the track, I don't think, right? It's just, they're just simulating the track and their car. So you don't get that in, in like one of these factory simulators, the, the uh, you know, the feel of driving around other cars, changing yeah. lines because of other cars and things like that. Yeah, and they're just driving by themselves, testing out setups that they are hoping to bring to the track that week. Okay. This yeah, one so, was kind I mean, of... Go ahead. Sorry, I was, I was, my last bit is that, you know, you, you see these guys on the shows like uh, the F1 show where they do these um, hand-eye uh, coordination tests with the light like that, where they're, they're touching different stuff to help improve their uh, timing and peripheral vision and stuff like that that's all that stuff that all that kind of stuff is is stuff you you use in in a sim you know it it's it's more of a direct uh, comparison about what they're doing though you know because the muscle memory is going to be a driving motion as opposed to you know the touching motion on, on one of those light test things have you ever seen uh, pierre gasly's test that he does before every race he has his uh I don't know if it's engineer or maybe it's a physical trainer or something, but he has two tennis balls in his hands and he, he puts his hands underneath or over top and he drops one from one hand or the other hand. And Pierre's got to go under his head, under his hand, turn under and grab it before it, you know, hits the ground. And he has to determine which one's falling and everything like that by just looking at it. Wake up. All right, let's talk another way to wake up. Uh, Brian, how about exercises to help sim racers? Yeah, this is a, a YouTube video. It's uh, posted by uh, Trauma Team Racing. Uh, and it's a video showing you uh, how exercise, how different exercises you can do to help help you in sim racing with, especially uh, this, this episode was more about your shoulders through steering and stuff like that so how to uh, build up muscles in your shoulders to uh, be able to handle a, handle a steering wheel um, better not work, not get so much wear out of it um, and these guys are real uh, real um, real PT physical therapist type uh, folks who, who know know what they're doing as far as the mechanics of your uh, of, of the human body and and but they're racers as well so so they uh, they they are able to apply their their trade to uh, to sim racing and and help you develop these uh, kind of uh, strengths that that you need to uh, be a better and more comfortable uh, sim racer. It's nothing worse than having your arms get real tired when you're racing. Yeah, and you know it's he's legit because the first half to three quarters of the video is explaining all the different muscles and how they connect and what muscles are being used and not used while you're racing. 
And then eventually he does show you the exercises. He has like a rubber uh, band kind of thing uh, hooked to a bar, you know, next to him. And then he pulls it, you know, he, you know, left or right to kind of pull the band and kind of extend your elbow. And then he has another one where he's got it hooked to the ground and he's lifting it like up to his head level from his waist level. So uh, pretty basic stuff. Title idea, Dr. Eraser. <laughs> I like it. I, you know, I, it's interesting to see, you know, some of the stuff that he's, you know, going through because some of these things too are like, you know, over my career playing hockey, I've done some of these, you know, extra, you know, for a lot of stuff for like the wrist motion when he's using the weight, turning the wheel, you know, that's some things you do for, you know, increasing your shot and everything in hockey. So it's kind of, kind of cool to, you know, keep your body uh, in, you know, peak shape. If you know, we're all in peak specimens here on the iRacers lounge uh, for racing, right? Well, I'm just thinking about the, you know, pre NIS checklist, you know, the race is coming up at the top of the hour. I got to get a drink. I got to get water. I got to get my chocolate. You know, we got to take a pee break, you know, imp empty the lizard you know you gotta do whatever with the family to make sure they don't bug you for two hours and, and now i gotta do my exercises too i gotta fit that in you're gonna exercise instead of practice you notice anybody he didn't put practice in any of his checklist there <laughs> yeah, even after last week <laughs> well some things are gonna get cut and i think the exercise <laughs> is gonna get cut <laughs> I, I you just totally uh, forgot about uh, was it Dave Cam's video? What did he do? Well, he was wasn't he the one last week we were talking about uh, the five steps to I race like a practice was one of the five steps. Yeah, for oh, beginners. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, Mike's not a beginner. That's right. All right, let's move on. To Greg, season three review. So this is the typical video that they uh, release, what, week one in or two weeks in. Sometimes it's two weeks in, but just going through all the additions that they've added uh, to iRacing in video form and um, just going over it quickly and just showing you a good visual of it. And, you know, like iRacing has always done, um, their technical department who and video editing uh, always knocks it out of the park to at least, you know, convey their message with uh, the video. And words. I mean, it does show in writing as well uh, information about what what you're seeing as well. And so they talk about some of those rules that I just read off for the restart zone. Those are actually written in writing the first 30 seconds or so of the video. So I think this is great. I mean, they've been doing it for a few seasons now. I think it's just for the iRacer who doesn't get the time to get into the forums to figure out what's going on or doesn't you know listen to the iRacers Lounge podcast and has no clue what's going on? But maybe on their smartphone, you know, while they're eating, they'll pick up a, this short three-minute YouTube video and and learn what's what's going on for season three. I really like, you know, and I didn't, you know, when we were going through the things last week. The amount of AI that they added was, you know, in this build was a decent amount too to uh, to the sim. All, all the low low-end oval stuff has been added basically and there was a couple road series which is nice too and 
um, you know, they're slowly adding it all in. I'll take this one. Console and iRacing newsletter. And, you know, this is a show dedicated about iRacing specifically. We really don't delve into other topics, but, you know, iRacing is involved in this, so we're going to talk about it. But basically, uh, they've built a website for their new World of Outlaws dirt racing game where you can sign up for their newsletter to get more information about the new console dirt game coming out. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to the first uh, story we had about the uh, about the world of outlaws, and you know, I th I think this just goes to show you that uh, yeah, that this partnership with iRacing and and the world of outlaws is really expanding, and and this is just another way it's doing. You know, for all the all the different types of racing, they could have come out with a console version, uh, game version to go with the dirt and the world of outlaws should, tells you a little bit something about where, um, you know, where that relationship is right now. Um, they really want to work together with the world outlaw series. And uh, the fact that they're bringing this to a console game is, uh, is definitely, definitely a proof of, of that kind of commitment. They, they seem to be working with. Yeah. So it'll take you to world of outlaws game.com where it says coming September, 2022. All right, let's jump into season three patches and hot fixes and whatnot. There's a bunch of activity here, guys. So the big thing that happened is they released a new patch for season three update, but they were investigating an ongoing issue for all PC users with a 500 series AMD graphics card. The issue appears to scramble, hide, or alter the artwork for cars in the environment in the simulator and paint shop. So basically, if you had one of these AMD cards, you can't you race right now. It's all messed up. That's a big problem when, you know, I, I don't know what the likelihood of, you know, what the difference between AMD and, and you know, the difference between the two graphics companies, what the percentage race on which, but I'm guessing, you know, it's a low percentage of one's uh, race with the AMD, but, you know, it's still going to be a significant amount that can't. So first of all, the patch one release notes, they did a little, a few fixes in AI, um, a bunch of graphic things that have to do with AMD cards were adjusted. Um, virtual mirror, replay issue, uh, Next-Gen fixed an issue with soft shadows uh, regarding the new damage model. A few other car changes, not much. So that's where, so that release went out and that broke the AMD thing, okay? So then we have the announcement about it. Uh, they, iRacing Support put out a, tweet, a Twitter about it. Um, and basically, uh, you know, they're doing a hot fix to get this fixed. I mean, there's not much you can do. It's, you know, they got to figure out what caused it, but I'm sure they will. They'll get it quick. You know, it's another reason why we have week 13. I talked about this a little bit last week and, you know, this is what happens is like stuff gets broken. You know, this is software. At the end of the day, you got to remember it's software development and, um, there's a lot of moving parts, <laughs> you know, especially with a title that's 
12 years old or however old it is, you know, can you imagine code upon code, you know, changed and modified over 12 years time? Uh, surely there's going to be issues and, and this is kind of expected and, you know, it's part of the deal. Brian, we had a tidbit from Dale Jr. today. Yeah, I was, uh, uh, saw this. It was actually part of a, uh, Twitter thread from iRacing support, um, and uh, a Twitter follower named uh, Marshall Layton um, asked in it, you know, it's like, uh, what about Atlanta? You know, I guess referencing to the uh, the new configuration for it, uh, the Atlanta Motor Speedway. And uh, no other than uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, tweeted back that uh, he said on schedule. So, um, so yeah, so the new the new Atlanta track and and by on schedule i'm assuming he means for uh the scheduled races um july 10th is the the nascar atlanta race um so the um the nis and and all would be the week leading up to that um so really that if he's if he's talking about on schedule for nis and for i racing you know that means a a a patch might be coming out for for atlanta motor speedway with the updates on it um within the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We're only on patch one. I, I think last season we got up to patch three. There were three different ones. So uh, it's, you know, it's something that is expected. I mean, we kind of expected it in, in this, in the big build, but uh, you know, perhaps they needed some more time. And so we'll, you know, hopefully get it. And like you said, you know, reading between the lines, you know, Dale jr. Just says two words. He says on schedule. So I guess that assumes you know, before we go racing on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, like I said, with those races starting the first week of July, I mean, you're, you'd be looking for a, a release of that within the next two weeks, I would think. So um, that'd be really cool. Um, I'm already, I can already hear the questions in my head. You know, are they going to get the old Atlanta as a, uh, you know, as a legacy, <laughs> legacy track or get rid of it? I hope they don't, but just because it's so much different and, um, it's you know it races so i'm sure it's going to race so much differently than the new one does with that old worn out surface that was real for me was a lot of fun to race on the old atlanta track so i i do i hope if they release this um this updated version that they they stick and make a legacy version of the of what's available now agreed agreed and you know do we need to pay for it or is it free i you know i don't really care i'll either way works for me probably pay so greg a week after dale jr said he wanted drag racing and i racing we hear this so i don't know how to pronounce this or or on games that's is that one of the ones that uh they they acquired um, yes the, the one with the the big wheeled car that goes down the hill okay so that was part of that one so Parant Games and iRacing are excited to share their long-term strategy for continued production development over the coming years as part of the strategy, uh, strategic direction drag Orant's or, uh, initiative fan, uh, fantasy off-road driving game for the PC is currently being ported to Sony PlayStation and uh, Microsoft Xbox console. So, it's not actually what you're thinking, Mike. It's not it's, drag racing, no. Right, it's not drag racing. It's the game drags that was on the PC that was on Steam. I think it was Steam that we saw the images from. 
Yeah, the big wheel car going down the mountain real fast. Yeah, that's what the name. That's what drag is. Yeah. Right, and I remember. Uh, I remember them having this. Uh, the preview of this when they bought this company, and uh, we were all really impressed with the physics of the uh, suspension on those uh, those big uh, big wheel cars. And you know, we th- we thought that was. Uh, I think we all thought that it was really really well made that that uh, drag game and. Um, so it looks like they're going to be continuing it. It's going to be. It looks like a. It's going to be like fantasy tracks and things like that. So it's not going to be like a a, a true simulator. It's going to be more of a, like a fun console racing game. But um, it's pretty neat that iRacing is part of that. I still hope that they you know work together, and they're not just. I hope iRacing isn't just buying some of these properties just to expand uh the expand what they have and are not using them as as um research and and uh ways to innovate their own product if if you know what i mean you know I, i'm hoping these acquisitions are are hope are are made to make iRacing better as well and not just to have a side side development side title that they're using if if you guys understand to generate what I mean. are they trying to do this maybe Brian to generate some revenue to help the sim though because maybe they've hit maybe type of like you know the the average increase now because after the pandemic isn't going to be as big and you know we're also seeing the world kind of go a different way with the pricing of everything it's going to be more expensive to do things like this is it some other way to generate some revenue to help the business in general well I, I, that's a good point, Greg. Because even if they don't use uh, the technology from these developers, developing companies that they that they're acquiring, even if they don't use the technology to make iRacing better, maybe just by having an extra stream of revenue, you know, that indirectly helps iRacing better by having more more uh, funds available to to do the things that they want to make iRacing better. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so. Even if it's not a, a direct uh, feeder to iRacing, at least maybe maybe the uh, they can share the revenue. I'm not sure. You know, I see it as a savvy business decision to, you know, we're we're dedic- we're only in one little spot. We're in PC sim racing. Let's expand our footprint, and they have. They're going into PlayStation and Xbox. With two titles, the, the we got this one, Drag, and we have the other one, the Dirt World of Outlaws. Okay, so they're they're doubling down. It's not just one game, but two games across two properties that they bought. You know, I see them just trying to get these things off the ground. Um, you know, taking the Drag PC game and and porting it to PlayStation. You know, gives them a second title in that market. Um, that's the way I kind of look at this and, um, yeah, we'll have to see how it shakes out. Well, maybe they, this also helps them. Like you're saying, Mike, they, they, they do this, make some revenue off it, do, do a couple things, get their name out there as a, as a brand that creates like, you know, some of these sim or not sim, but like road going type games. And maybe they come up with, uh, you know, it's not saying an iRacing would be completely transferred over to the console, but They've already developed AI software and things like that. So why not take a nap, make their own NASCAR game? Maybe they take make maybe well, they make their own indie car game or something that, like that. That's just that, it, Greg. Do it. 
I mean, we talked about this before, and, and I just realized they're trying to save, you know, sim racing uh, is the other idea. Remember, we have all these different motorsports series going to this soon-to-be-defunct motorsports uh, games company to put out their console games, so, like IndyCar. Okay, so IndyCar has and NASCAR have both, you know, signed up with that motorsports uh, game company, and they're having trouble with them. Well, I think iRacing is putting themselves in a position where they can pick up that business, you know, from NASCAR, from IndyCar, and other series, maybe even eventually Formula One, and be and put out console games uh, for the sim racing that, you know, isn't caught up in all the mess that that company has. Well, and you also got to think hardware-wise, you see some of these brands like Fanatec, they make their equipment PlayStation and Xbox capable as well so that, you know, you can you can do these things as well as, you know, still being PC-related as well. It's good news. You know, I, I don't think any iRacer should see this as bad news. Um, you know, I don't see, you know, that iRacing is probably not spreading themselves too thin. You know, that would be a concern. Are they taking resources away from the iRacing product to work on these other products? I don't think that's the case. I mean, they spent real money uh, on people and resources and brought more people in. Okay, Brian, how about iRacing and the Skippies? Yeah, this is a uh, really cool. Um, so if you guys remember, they had the iRacing Skip Barber uh, Championship Series uh, a couple months ago that just wrapped up. And uh, they had that uh, ultimate uh, first place prize for winning that was uh, to be a full-time season in the Skip Barber uh, Racing Series in real life. And uh, they had their first race a couple weeks ago. And um, uh, Mikhail uh, Gaddy who was the series championship. Sure enough, he's in this series and uh, you can track his results, see how he's doing. Um, I can tell you right now that uh, he had a very solid first, uh, first weekend for, for a driver. Um, I don't know. I don't know about his um, history with racing, you know, real life racing. If, if this is the first time he's ever been in a car or not, but um, he, he presented himself fairly well. Um, finished in the mid-pack at Lime Rock, which was their first first race of the season. Um, he qualified really well. The first qualifying, he was in fourth. The second qualifying session, he finished third. So, uh, real good good results for him in that in that qualifying season series. Um, uh, and there's there's some some interesting names that are he's racing against. Um, Boris said Jr. Uh, I'm I'm assuming the uh, the son of uh, the uh, you know, highly skilled road racer Boris said is in the in this series with him. So, um, so yeah, it's pretty cool that uh, that sure enough, you know, he won that series and he is racing in these real races. Um, he, they they have uh, their second race of the season is going to be this coming weekend at VIR. So uh, yeah, we'll check it out and see how he's doing. Uh, it's, it's again, this was one of the better prizes that they've ever had in any any of these. Uh, high-level series in iRacing is, you know, you win this series in iRacing and you become a real driver. 
that's the only series where really that has ever taken place. So really need to see his progress. Um, uh, congratulations for, for a good finish his first time out. And uh, we'll keep following along and see, see how he makes out. It's really, really cool. Someone else's name I see on this list who, I, I think we just have a list of qualifying two times, but uh, Correct. at the top of the list is Elvis Rankin. We mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he finished second, I think, in the uh, iRacing uh, Skip Barber thing. Um, and he was that kid who was doing uh, YouTube videos of his own races where he would self-commentate his races. But he looks like he's doing well in the series as well. Yeah, he actually um, he actually won the the two the two races. They actually do a split race on the on the final day, um, and he won both of them, the first and wow. second race, and uh, convincingly. I mean, eight he had eight, eight second uh, margin of victory in in the second race. So uh, he he's he's really good. I, I I'm, I'm my guess would be that he probably has a little bit more real world racing experience than Mikhail Getty, who who actually won the iRacing version of that series. I'm gonna have to find his YouTube channel again and get caught up. Uh, hopefully, he's got some content about it. All right, uh, Greg, how about the Watkins Glen Watkins Glen six hours coming up soon tomorrow. Yeah, presented by VCO, um, starts this weekend. Uh, obviously, it's like any other endurance race. It's on the, it's got the four time slots, the Friday night, and the three Saturday ones. Um, I think, I think David's in it with another couple drivers, and I or I don't know if he's doing it with two drivers or just one. Um, I'm participating with uh, Kyle. On the team, Kyle Pentagraph, uh, and we're going to do the Friday night time slot. Um, just ironing out the last couple details, but we're going to run a GT3, the Lambo. Um, really excited to do it, um, and uh, can't wait to get out there. Uh, I love the Watkins Glen, and I love the long distance Watkins Glen track, which I, it, it makes it even better. Uh, so it's uh, it's good. All right, well, have fun with that. The other one that we want to mention is the Grid Finder 4-Hour of Le Mans. Uh, this, we mentioned it last week, but uh, we want to keep it on your radar. It's a good warm-up for the 24-Hours uh, race guys, but uh, they have a forum post where you can get more information and actually register if you're interested. Yeah, the event will be June 20th. Or the uh, registration deadline is June 20th, too. Yeah, so oh, you that's can register right. right up to the 20th. The race is the 26th of June. Uh, the next one was Apex This. Uh, we mentioned them last time. We're going to say it again. Uh, they have uh, the new season starting June 21st. So that's coming up here next week, guys. The, the website apexthis.racing. I totally spaced signing up for this. So I'm going to open the link right now. But yeah, I'm thinking about signing up for this as well. I've been busy running skippies and uh, trying to figure out what I want to ro race in road. Anyway, they have a ton of prizes, 700 members. So uh, I'm going to dig into it. I hope you guys uh, join me and we'll see you out there on the track.
We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to brake deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacersLounge at checkout. Head over to the SimCoaches.com website and get yours now. jump to podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find the podcast mention us uh, to your fellow drivers on track so they don't miss out we do appreciate it we are over on discord where uh, you can interact with us also an announcement we're actually looking for a teammate uh, we're going to open up a recruiting uh, team to FOSI, but uh, we're going to be picky. We're going to be real picky. We want somebody who will in, be on the podcast, who will be a regular on the show, who will, will partic- uh, potentially participate in content, um, knows WordPress, that kind of stuff. Um, if you're interested or if you're one of those people, reach out. We're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. So, fantasy, Brian. Hey, Mike, uh, let me get back. Can you start on that, please? Uh, I lost my script here for a sec. Yeah, <laughs> so we got fantasy Sonoma. Good over. What's the name of this person? The, uh, league this week. Suarez D's Nuts. What a name. So, do you think they pick Daniel Suarez every week? That's what I was going to say. I'm betting this guy picks Daniel Suarez every weekend, and and it finally came finally came through. You only do it for ten weeks, though. True. All right, I got the Sonoma standings in front of me. Well, uh, Fat Boy 1990, uh, the highest of our group uh, in third. That's Tyler Williamson. Bobby Jonas seventh. Boats and Hose. That's a good name. I haven't re- read through some of these names. And our own Tony Groves back in 19th. Uh, Greg, 22nd. Brian, 24th. I'm 26. I put all my chips into Hendrick Motorsports. That really <laughs> bit That's me in the butt. What I did, too. Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually stuck on the road trying to get home, and I missed the start of the race. I didn't even get a chance to change my... Uh, Change my lineup from last week. <laughs> so you had uh, Gateway. Was it Gateway? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, had all, I had all my Gateway drivers in there. Still didn't do too bad, all things considered. A lot of the a lot of the road course guys who you would thought would be ringers uh, weren't all that you know weren't all that spectacular. So I probably would have been just as bad, maybe worse, if I had actually uh, tried to do well. I feel that the road courses nowadays, especially since it's a sequential gear shift too now, I'm guessing a lot of these drivers, it, it's basically, you know, instead of having like back when, you know, Ron Fellows and them came in, they had, a, a, you know, we'll say a, a 30% advantage maybe over their competitors 
if they had a good car, they would finish good. I'm guessing there's if you, if you're good on roads, you maybe even like have a five percent or less advantage on the rest of your competitors, just because it's such a big discipline in racing now. So on the overall, Greg, you fell to second with that bad standing. I went. What was it? The last three weeks, third, or I was second, first, second. I keep bouncing yeah. in and out of that. So what's next week? Off week this weekend, and then Nashville. Concrete mile and a half. Should be fun. I think last year was one of the best races in the old car with the package that it was because it was the biggest tire wear track. So it'll be, it'll be good to see it. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware, software, let's talk Fanatec firmware. Second week in a row, and I'm still afraid to update this firmware. Uh, James Smith, he posted in the Fanatec owners group a story of his experience. And I'm going to read some of it here. So he, he had to do a fresh Windows install. So he installed from fresh, new firmware installed fine, new Fanalab, Fanalabs did not work. Had to use old Fanalabs from the DD1 download page. Wheel firmware feels amazing, but I hate to say it, it feels like my Thrustmaster T, TSPC did, which I low-key loved. I'm finding everything I drive has a lot of understeer because there's now less feel on the front tire wall load. After 15 minutes, you get used to it, and overall feeling does feel a lot better. So much more detail in the lower forces. Better to the point, I felt the need to do a cool story, bro, post. So he liked it, um, the way it felt. And, and there's many, many others. This is just one guy. There's a lot of people that say basically the same thing, that the, the force feedback feels much better. But on the other hand, as I stated last week, Fanatec actually pulled the download page because of all the people bricking their uh, wheel by doing it wrong or something along those lines. Do you think they'll put the download back up when they, I don't want to, this isn't a term to, you know, degrade the people that did it, like idiot proof it so it doesn't do the bricking or, you know, find a better way of launching that download? Well, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm I'm the guy they need to idiot-proof them for. Um, you know, their software is not great. I mean, you open it right now, and you look for, like, an update button, and it's not really there. I mean, and so it's not real clear what you do. You have to go download a zip, and you just install it um, and so forth. So, yeah, I'm I'm waiting for them to repost it. You know, I'll tentatively, you know, try it and, and see what happens. You know, based on what people have said, though, it certainly sounds like it's worth it. I think it's from what he's saying there, and it, it, it's glad to hear, because a lot of, you know, a lot of the wheels that we have nowadays are, are designed for the big hardcore movements of the wheel and the, the big bumps and stuff like that. But if you get more feel out of the lower range stuff, that can really help. Um, you know, when you're driving just as much as, you know, the forces in the big, big, big end. Yeah, it's all about the settings that you have, too. I mean, for the longest time, I ran with the switch peak turned on. But then 
copy and David Hall, my teammate, he ran it everything as linear. And so as of the last few months, I've been running basically his settings on linear. And it's quite different. I mean, so it just depends on what settings you program to into the wheel, you know, what you're going to end up with. And I've actually resorted back to Fanatec's official settings on their forum uh, for road. And that's what I'm running every time. And it, I seem to like it. Okay, Brian, NVIDIA delays. Yes, this comes from the pile of no big surprise whatsoever. <laughs> NVIDIA, is, NVIDIA is delaying the launch of both the GeForce GX GTX 1630 and the forthcoming range of RTX 40 series graphics cards, according to the latest reports. So the RTX 4090, 4080, and 4070 all have their launch delays by a month at this point. Um, with the uh, 4090 first coming out in September, the 4080 is scheduled for October, and 4070 is now scheduled for November. So stay tuned next month for when it gets delayed for the next another month after that, probably. Um, but but yeah, so it's it's no no really no big surprise that some of these things are being delayed with all the uh, issues that had been going on for so long. Um, so um yeah that's that's as of right now this is their official timeline for the 40 series graphics cards how convenient of them to do the reverse order of what will be the most expensive to the least expensive as they go yeah i noticed to get that too. people's money the people that are waiting for it like you know i think the worst part is that's the worst time of the year it's coming up towards christmas and stuff and who knows where the economy by that time is going to be too. I know there are, you know, a little chip shortage and things like that. I just think these cards are going to be way, way overkill for what you're going to get price-wise. Well, let's talk about that. So tweaktown.com found a tweet from somebody in the know about these cards from Copite7Kimmy. And they claim the performance of the RTX 4090 is slightly higher than twice the performance of an RTX 3090. So think RTX 3090, double the performance, it's a little higher than that. Double the performance. That's, so that's pretty double significant. The price. That's a huge order of magnitude. Normally when they do these cards, it's, it's a 10% you know, 15% better. Now we're talking triple digit better. Well, I, I, I'll wait to see the benchmark scores on those when it comes out and people get their hands on it to see, see how accurate that is. Um, I hope, you know, if it, if it's true, then man, that's a pretty, that's a really significant jump. Um, you know, you, of course you do wonder what price tag that comes along with that. Um, but, um, Really, really interesting. Cause, and I think that's going to, if that is true, it's not going to help that much with people with monitors, but it can be a big advantage for um, for um, VR systems because they're the ones that really, the hardware is kind of outpacing the ability for the graphics cards to really drive them. So um, I think if, if that's the case, and these are that that well, um, the VR is where you're really going to see a big a big big jump in performance. 
Yeah. You know, if you're doing a dream computer build for VR and you, like I said, a dream build, you have to wait for this card. I mean, it would be foolish to, to go with the 3090 right now, I think, when this is on the horizon. Um, I, I agree with Brian there, waiting for the benchmark, because I don't, you know, I, we don't know who this Cop, uh, Copa Kimmy is. You know, is he just an internet troll trying to hype something up for somebody? Like, is he paid to hype it up? Get speculation? He's probably, from what I understand from Tweaktown, he's a well-known leaker who has some clout. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's good then. So, but, man, do, do can you double... Like a 3090 is a good card. Can you really, has the technology moved that far ahead to double it? It's crazy to wrap your mind around, isn't it? I mean, what kind of card did you get, Craig? 3080 Ti. Right. I mean, it's right at that same level of performance, right? So it's probably like two plus, right? Two times plus. And um, the next thing we're going to be talking about when these cards come out is, you know, the bots and all the issues that they've had with the last release of the 30 series when that came out, because that was, that was just a nightmare with the bot purchases and, and all the, uh, all the price gouging that went along with that. Um, so I'm sure that's going to be the next thing we talk about when these cards are finally, cards are finally released. Maybe, but I mean, maybe the Bitcoin mining or the mining aspect is not going to be as prevalent now that crypto is kind of crashed financially when all the market um, crashes yeah what a mess brian how about a summer deal yeah guys um this is from sim labs they're um they're announcing and releasing uh, some special deals on their equipment they call it their summer summer deal event and they have reduced prices on a lot of their products including some of their um their A20 rigs, their accessories like uh, keyboard trees and all kinds of things like that. Um, so yeah, so if if uh, you're looking to get a new new rig or looking to get a rig in the first place, um, you know we know Sim Labs makes really good products, and uh, you might want to check it out because um, everything else prices are going up, but here at uh, here at uh, Sim Labs, their summer deals are are actually lowering some prices. It's ten percent, I think. Um... And it's almost, I think it's on everything. But, man, I mean, the P1X, I mean, that's the gold standard it's been for several years. I mean, that's the one I purchased. Um, and it's 746 euros instead of 829 euros. So, obviously, there's shipping and that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, what a deal. It's, uh, it's really interesting that they would do, uh, you know, a price drop like that at this particular time um you know because obviously the the material prices have been going up for a while now uh, i know aluminum's been going through the roof um so you know i'm just kind of curious if this is an issue where they just need to drive sales and uh it doesn't seem like it would be something they would do if they were short on on uh, inventory um so yeah, it's a, it's it's really interesting that they're going this way, uh, and I, I'm hoping it's not a sign that the market for for sim stuff is is kind of starting to bottom out for these guys, and they're trying to gin up new sales by doing these uh these prices. 
Well, I'm afraid you're right on that. I mean, it, right now, at least in the U.S., I don't know how it is in Canada, Greg, but there's a lot of trepidation about uh, the stock market crashing, a recession, even a depression. And so I'm sure there's a lot of Americans who have discretionary cash to spend on SIM rigs and SIM equipment. This is not the moment to be buying, actually. Um, just because of the the unknown nature of what's happening in the in the coming months. Yeah, exactly. And you know when you know when it comes down to uh, brass tacks, this is a this is a, a luxury uh, hobby that we that we're all involved in here, and it's not something that if you're worried about um, the economic future that you're probably going to be putting a lot into a hobby in that case. So, you know, it, it makes, makes you a little nervous that this is a sign that, that, uh, that people are, are, are watching what they spend their money on. And some of these, uh, these, uh, kind of, uh, hobbies and, and spending like this is starting to, to take a, take a hit on some of these companies. All right, let's move on. Greg, Apex Sim Racing button boxes. Apex has been in the Sim box or the button box for a while, have they not? Oh yeah, we've talked about them a lot. So, uh, they're big. They got a new thing. So a lot of their button boxes here that they're you know displaying is it's got the big. This is more of like a. This is definitely something like customized to what they're talking about on instagram here is more of like a button box for a cup car where they have the big rotary knob for doing the brake bias or any car i guess in general just for brake bias and things like that so um their new button boxes here are you know very small and sleek they got a couple different configurations but they got uh um very minimal buttons on them so i'm guessing they're probably not the more not on the more high-end expense side either it's something new, I think, they have because I don't actually find this product on their website. I went looking. But what they show on the Instagram is uh, what they call SimLab P1X front mount dashes. So I presume uh, if, if you have a, a side mount uh, wheel on a SimLab P1X, that these mount just to that uh, aluminum that, that uh, comes out to the left or right from the wheel base. Um, and so the idea is you got the one with the the brake bias and three buttons on the left, and then you got the one with the the um, starter switch and the three buttons on the right. And uh, they're kind of a sleek design, some carbon fiber on the front. They kind of they're kind of cut into a, uh, a a unique shape. They're not just square, um, you know, where they'll fit in there pretty nice. I mean, if I didn't have a button box, I might consider something like this because it would fit in pretty well. But I like the idea of small button boxes. I mean, I have not been a fan of big button boxes, these big, thick ones that have real depth through to them. And um, so when I bought my button box, you know, the depth of it was key, you know, and I think mine is maybe an inch, inch and a half deep at the most. Um, which I got from Poland. Uh, I forget the name of it, but um, but yeah, I mean these these look a little thicker than that, but they're a small footprint. These kind of remind me of ones where you could kind of like the one that's 
if you look at the in the Instagram picture here, Mike, the the one that's got the uh, no the uh, flip up but or toggle with the button beside it, and then the three white buttons on the bottom is the bottom picture there. Well, it's kind of shaped like a you know like a, a diamond. Maybe it's right, something diamond. that you can like fit in like your frame rails of your sim rig where it can have you like right beside your mouse but clicker or something like that um, on your sim rig. Like on mine, I have a rail that's where my mouse pad attached to it. It would fit right perfectly there where you could um, have a box uh, for it. Yeah, that's the thing. Even though they say it's for the sim lab P1X, I mean, like you said, I mean, they're so small you can almost mount them anywhere, you know, that works, you know, for you. And uh, that's why I like these. Now on this next one, where are you going to mount in a button box? <laughs> How about the Roto VR chair, Brian, our motion expert? Yeah, this is a really neat product. Um, so what it is, it's a it's made for VR because uh, you wouldn't have a place to mount a um a monitor or anything like that. It's called a Roto VR chair, and it literally uh, s spins you. You can you can spin in 360 degrees as you're in VR. Um, now, they have separate attachments. You can get a separate attachment to uh, add a wheel and brake pedals. Um, it would does not look like it would be designed for anything heavy duty. Um, so I wouldn't. It's more like of a like a gamer type of uh, racing system, not like a real enthusiast type of rim, uh, rig. Um, it's it's really neat because you can plug all your uh, USB accessories into the chair, and you know it doesn't twist. It won't twist up the cords as you're spinning in this chair. Um, it's got some uh, ability to have some haptic feedback in the uh, the back and the and the seat. You know that give you some vibration effects as you're as you're playing these games um it's really neat but um i think it's really more geared towards you know regular uh regular video games vr games as opposed to you know a dedicated racing uh type of system uh, so but um it's got some really good features and it's not crazily priced uh, i think you can get it on sale now for um 4.99 is what the price is on this um, one version of it at least. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know if I'd use it for racing, but it'd be, it'd be a cool product to use for, for just VR games in general, you know, as you're, as you're playing a game and you, and you turn in within you your headset, the chair's turning as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it reminds me like the y'all VR that, uh, we've seen, uh, we've talked about, there's a new version of that. But I think this looks like a, a little bit better version for for playing in VR. Yeah, we've all seen the videos of the guy in the living room with the VR on, and he's stumbling around the room, running into the wall or the TV and destroying stuff. And you know, that's always my concern with VR. Is like, am I what am I going to look like that fool? I, I love this idea of a chair. Okay, let's sit my butt in a chair so I don't break anything. First of all, uh, I don't, you know, stumble over something and, you know, break my fool neck uh, while I have this thing on my face. And so I really like the idea of sitting down and playing VR. The fact that it's got a motor in it that spins you around and and got that, you know, haptic, uh, you know, butt kicker kind of feel. It's pretty cool. Mike, 
I'm worried about, you know, when you're in iRacing, if you did try this for sim racing, um, you know when you get that uncontrollable, like when you wreck and you spin in the air and it like spins really fast? This thing has the ability to do <laughs> 22 revolution, 22 and a half revolutions per minute. Like that's, <laughs> gonna throw that's you a off. lot. But, like when the IndyCar uh, like wrecks and head tracking thing that plugs into the unit or your VR unit. So a lot of it, they're talking about the quest too, um, so that it senses. So if you're looking around in VR at something, the chair turns that way. It, it does all the stuff that, um, you want it to do it. it it's, this is the, the technology that's got to come with VR to make that immersion. Like these are the things that we've been waiting for on the market that I think at, will add so much more, to the VR experience, it doesn't have to be for like the sim us sim racing wise, but in just in general to do some of the games that uh, you can play in VR uh, would be really cool. I think it would be even like even if you've ever you know Brian, have you ever gone on Google Earth in VR? Oh yeah, I love. If you experience Google Earth in it, this would be cool. Yeah, stuff like that. It'd be it'd be amazing. Um, I don't know. It's, there are some games where it requires you to move forward and backwards. Um, I don't know how well it would work on that. It's, I mean, the chair's got rollers, so maybe you can roll forward to, to move forward or back. Because um, otherwise you'd be pretty much in a stationary position, especially if your feet up is up on the little footrest that they have on these. Um, but um, but I can see it being a really cool experience though, for, for things just like Google Earth, like you were talking about. Yeah. Right about the Facebook metaverse. Got to sit somewhere, right? So, so when I'm in the exactly. office doing my uh, um, meetings, I can spin around in the chair for real and they can show me, just see me spinning. I probably won't be getting this chair. But I did get the companion app update. Um, Alex Gustafson announced an update with the release notes for the new iRacing companion app for smartphones. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they've really taken on this app. They have proper release notes, just like any other piece of software from iRacing. Um, let's see what the release notes say. They added a margin to the bottom of the news section to make it easier to read. They fixed uh, some alphabetical sorting issues. Fixed an issue with the display of car names for the multi-class events. Uh, fixed a crash crash issue. Fix the appearance of members' avatars for a certain screen, and a few other things. So just minor fixes, nothing uh, groundbreaking or, or new at this point. I actually used the uh, iOS app the other day. I was in the other room and thinking, I wonder if uh, Chris McGuire has a hosted room up. I could jump in. So instead of firing up the PC to find out, guess what? I opened the iOS app. I pull up hosted. I start looking at the hosted names. Sure enough, there's Chris McGuire. Boom. Okay, yeah, I guess I will fire up my computer and, and go racing. And so that kind of convenience is just awesome. I, I, I want them to take the app the next step further, though. Let me register for the race right on the app so I don't have to turn my computer on yet. Or I don't have to go into my office yet. I can be in the living room with my family on my smartphone and literally register for the race. You mean, you mean practice, register for the practice, right? Now, 
obviously David and I use Chrome remote desktop tool. And as long as you leave your racing computer on, you can use a remote desktop tool to do the same thing. But I mean, isn't that the idea of the app is to do cool stuff like that? So yeah, I'd like to see it. Even have like a reminder that your race is coming up, say that you want to plan to race at nine o'clock and it's say you get an hour advance where it's like, okay, your race starts in an hour. Well, the app does have that, Greg. Um, oh, you can go in and mark. Gone through it all. Yeah, if you mark a series favorite like NIS, you can pick uh, reminder times. And I have um, set at one hour and five minutes. So one hour before, I'll get a pop-up on my phone. Hey, your race is coming in an hour. And then five minutes before, I'll get another pop-up. Um, I've had those set up for a while. It's kind of nice. But you do have to take the time to go in and literally click on every week and hit the little reminder thing. So it takes a few minutes to set it up. I have a feeling that's going to take a segment out of our uh, our fall uh, part of the year when you're going to miss your races when the clocks change now that you got your phone reminding you. Yeah, that's, a, that's going to help for sure. So. Okay, we're moving to results in IS. Nothing. Off week, right? Well, we can still talk about uh, Sunday morning. David, myself, and who else raced with us on Sunday? I can't remember. You, you said you were going, you might, but you never showed. I did wake up. Um, I got a P. Uh, six in top split. That's nice. David, I believe, had an accident and wrecked out uh, by himself in that race. And I'm just trying to remember who else raced with us on Sunday. Oh, um, Adam. Adam raced with us. All right. I'm not sure where he did. I'll talk about my racing. Uh, I was gone uh, for a lot of the week, but uh, when I did get back, Skip Barber. Um, they're at Okinaya. Is that how you say that? Um, I actually did some practice on the Sunday night before, to be honest. Uh, a few laps to make sure I knew what I was doing. And so when Monday came, I, I ran some racing. Um, started P4 finished p1 i win it was my 80th career win sure felt good uh i was telling telling you greg i wasn't the fastest car out there but i was the most consistent and so i was able to, to win the race even though those guys were hunting me down they would they would go off uh, occasionally and i wouldn't well a lot of road racing is that like you know we know with road racing in general especially on here when you get on the grass it definitely screws you up you spin out usually or you speed up real fast and, and run into a wall or something or a tire barrier um so if you can just keep it on the tarmac and you know be consistent you're gonna set yourself up for a good you know a good finish most races don't have you know we're you know a lot of the races for any of this road series don't have pro level racers where they're gonna run you know, if you have a 30 lap race, 30 consistent laps and stay on the track, you're, you're gonna have 
um, people screwing up um, and, and doing that. So you get the, you know, if you can be as most consistent, you should get a good finish. Um, but that's why a lot of times when you hear David and I talking about endurance races, it's a long race. One screw up, you, you know, you got 24 hours or six hours or whatever. Um, it only takes one second to screw up and then that's the end of a race and it can be even the fastest car in the room can do that. All right. Next event, I started P5, was holding my own in a, in, it was a much more physical race. The, the first race when I won, I was never around a car really. Um, you know, I just gradually got the lead and, and kept it. But with this race, I had cars all around me. We were two and three wide at, po at some point. These guys trying to get by me and I was trying to hold fifth. Um, so we were hitting, bumping tires and doing crazy stuff. Eventually I slid off on my own, fell back to 10th, but recovered to P8. Next attempt was today. I ran this afternoon and got pole position. I'm very proud of that. Uh, felt pretty fast. Uh, started the race on pole, uh, had a few off tracks, a couple off tracks on my own and uh, fell to seventh, but recovered to finish back to fourth. And this is out of maybe 12, 14 cars. So I have yet to have really a bad result uh, this week anyway. The question I posed Greg was, man, now that I've already won, now I got a pole, maybe it's I, this isn't the right car for me. Maybe I need to move up to a different level of car. And uh, you were just like, stack them up while you can. I would stay in it and race a couple tracks in the, in the series. Get through a couple different things and, and learn the car better. Because whatever you learn in this is still going to translate into the next one. And the next series and the next series. It, it all works its way out. So, you know, take advantage of what you can learn by, you know, maybe you learn to hold the lead better because you're in a lower league or a lower, you know, split or type thing like this, you can, you know, you're not going as fast so you can learn tracks faster and you can, you know, you know, make better passes, outbreak cars differently. You know, you can learn a lot. Um, you don't have to move series as soon as you win one race. You know, try and try and become good in the, the whole series and be a dominant car if you can. Yeah, and I think that's what I'll do. I'll just keep running it. Um, I've had some fun, you know, running once, twice a night um, in this. And it's it's the length of race. I don't really want a race that's longer. I'm usually wore out by the end of these things, but uh, it's been fun. So looking forward to that. There you got your answer. You need to build up your endurance. Yep. That's what you need to learn from this. Because as I go to a higher series, it's going to be a longer race, right? Definitely. All right, let's talk fast track league. It was Sonoma, so I skipped it because I didn't have any laps at Sonoma. Uh, we had a teammate in there you, you had a run in with, Greg. He, he, he quit it abruptly, and but he's back. I think he was just having a bad day, but looks yeah, like you ended up wrecked it. out. <laughs> yeah, I got wrecked out. I, I don't know, man. I. I'm so frustrated. I, 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 in the Discord, I, you know, I've been wrecked four out of the last five weeks by being turned off of some, you know, turn off of someone's note. It's not like, you know, I'm involved in a wreck where somebody's wrecking off the wall and I have no, I can't avoid it. They're like literally P5 
people driving through the back of my car. So, you know, is it me being slower or people just, they're just, you know, I have no problem when someone's in front of me staying off of them, even if I'm faster. I just don't understand what's been going on. It's been very frustrating. I know David and I have both been chatting about, you know, leaving the league. We're not really having fun. I'm not sure how much longer we'll last, um, but it's not, you know, it's not as enjoyable as it was last year. Obviously, we're not, I'm not winning like I was last year. So obviously that's probably, you know, leading to some of it, but I'm going to be honest here. I should have won that race easily if I wasn't turned the other night. So it's, it is what it is, but I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to, I, I said the things, do I, do I start becoming more aggressive or do I just quit the league? You want to talk about Joe? Yeah. And Joe, I understand what Joe was happening with Joe. Joe was getting his wheel set up for that race. And, you know, I was just trying to set some laps and get used to some things on a setup. And every time it seemed like he had an off track and he came back in front of me and I explained to him, I said, I said, if that's the case, then, you know, just let me go by. But it seemed like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I saw it as like, okay, teammates, you know, he sees me on the track. You know, we always try to race each other when we're on the track and he was racing me to the next corner and trying to not let me pass and stuff like that, just to be, you know, being a teammate and just having fun on the track. And I just kind of got frustrated and I said, um, you know, you, you know, it's three times that you've done that and you screwed up my lap time. Um, and, uh, I, you know, he got a little upset and he was having a bad day and, um, you know, we handled it. I talked to him earlier and we're good. It just, you know, it, we didn't convey each other's message properly both ways. It happens. Uh, that's, that's why I wanted to talk about it a little bit. You know, it's even within the team, you know, we're, we're, we're working together, you know, uh, tensions can, can mount, you know, uh, especially if you get into each other and, uh, I, ha I had a problem uh, a few years ago with a teammate, Matt Bolley was his name, Matt Bolley. And every time we raced, we would find each other. <laughs> and and we're, we were friends. I mean, it, we had no bad blood or anything. And but we would wreck each other all, you know, every race. It seemed like we were and we were in the same split. So um, it happens. And uh, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, I talked to Joe as well, and he was just having a bad day. And like you said, a little miscommunication. But, hey, we're all adults and we worked it out and uh, we're, we're a good team. OK, get her done. GT3 series. So in actually, I screwed up what I wrote here. I don't know why I was thinking this the following week, but I actually won. I won heat one in it. Uh, we were racing at um, was it Philip Isle? Yeah, it was Philip Isle last week. Actually, we talked about that one actually on the last podcast, Mike. If I remember correctly, because it was already done. So yeah, um, there is no GT this week. That's we talked about it because we had the Saturday show. Okay, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Uh, not a whole lot of extra new stuff going on here. Just uh, still trying to get through a lot of uh, the summer craziness. Um, I'm glad to be back on the show. I know I missed last week. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, not a whole lot. Just looking forward to get some iRacing in really soon. That's all. All right, very good. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. 
I'm about to hop in my sim here. It's all fired up, ready to go for uh, the Get Her Done Racing League at, uh, uh, where are we, Silverstone. And, um, yeah, I'm just uh, going to get in that race. Um, and then I look forward to racing with Kyle um, tomorrow night. Uh, it sounds like he's going to do the first three hours of the race, and I'm going to do the last three hours um, just because of our schedules. So let's hopefully we can get Kyle can get through the first three hours and get her done, and I'll uh, hopefully finish it up. All right, very good. Uh, speaking of Kyle, man, he's hooked me up. I'm, he mailed a package. I'm getting it Friday, tomorrow. It's going to have the um, new revised fan mounts to mount the fans uh, over the left and right monitor. Uh, as, as I've talked about before, he, he printed up some that worked, but one of them kind of broke because it was kind of flimsy. And so uh, he's beefed them up, uh, apparently. So I'm looking forward to seeing those. He also has finished uh, soldering together my Arduino and the motor control board and he's sending me that as well so everything i need to potentially finish this fan project so uh, this time tomorrow the fan project should be good and i need it uh, here in phoenix uh, this week uh, as high as 112 um, my electric bill is going to be like 380 dollars this month because we keep it at an even 75 degrees here but even with the AC running, when the computer's on and the four monitors are on and everything is on, I'm sweating like a pig. And uh, I just can't wait for these fans. I think they're going to make a real difference. And uh, I've been having fun with the Skippy. Um, it's kind of fun to be competitive. Um, early in the week, I was kind of slow out there. But as I run more races, you know, I'm finding speed. I'm figuring out boy you know that those through those s's i, I can kind of straight line through there i can gain a half second um and so i'm kind of figuring it out and like i said we'll just keep running it and see what we got uh, hey we'll see you on the track later thank you for listening to the odd racers lounge podcast make sure you go to subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud or google play Facebook and Twitter. See you on the track.